Hello, and my name is John Schwartz, and we're back again today to hear some stories of wild animals and the people who love them in our podcast series, Tales of Transformation, The Magic Between Humans and Wild Animals. And with me again is our storyteller and tour guide, Dr. Susan Eyrick, founder and director of Earthfire Institute Wildlife Sanctuary, located near the Grand Teton Mountains. And Susan, you were going to tell us a story about apricot. I was, and am, <laughs> with pleasure. Thank you. Now, apricot was an exquisite wolf who was very, very shy. You know, when we talk, there's so many stories going through my mind of who apricot was and how she became the way she was. But for now, I'll focus just on apricot. When she was about seven years old, this wild, free spirit of an animal came down with an illness that ended up being diagnosed as a distemper to her brain. And we were told it was 100% fatal. But I trust the animals and their vitality and let the disease take its course and she healed. One of the theories I have is that she healed because wild animals are so vibrant and such a strong passion to live. I've repeatedly found that when vets give a diagnosis, it doesn't apply. Not a diagnosis, a prognosis, it doesn't apply. They just recover. So she did recover, but she ended up a couple of years later, starting to get all these neurological symptoms. Her eyes were crossed, she looked really funny, and someone said she looked goofy, and she was uncoordinated. And she was such a, a free spirit, I couldn't bear seeing that. And I knew there was nothing else that Western medicine could do. So I thought about it and asked someone who lived down the road, um, her name was Jill, who specialized in helping human nervous systems heal. And I thought, well, this is a nervous system issue. What the hell? So I asked Jill if she would help, and she very kindly agreed. And Jill wanted it to be in an enclosed space. So we went to our yurt. We have a beautiful 30-foot diameter yurt that looks directly out in Grand Teton itself. And so Jill went into the yurt and Jean went to get Apricot, who'd never been into the yurt and never met Jill. So I had no idea how any of this was going to go. But just for the hell of it, I grabbed a movie camera because you never know. And he brought Apricot to the yurt, and she went up the stairs because we have it raised above the ground. And she was a little nervous, but she was with Jean, and I was in there. And Jean gently put his hands on her and helped her lie down to settle in. As he did that, Jill also put her hands on Apricot. And it took maybe 30 seconds or so, um, and I have all this on film, before Apricot began to settle down. And what blew me away and blew everybody away was that this wolf, who'd never been in the yurt, had never been in contact with this person, settled down really rapidly into a deep 
healing trance. I was watching this through the movie camera lens, and I focused in on her eyes because I couldn't believe it. I could, you could just see the depth of the trance she was going into. And she gave this huge sigh and just settled in. And she lay there for 45 minutes as Jill felt her way through her nervous system. The way Jill explained it, it was she was pulling energy in from the whatever healing there is out in the world through her into Apricot's nervous system. And it's as if Apricot recognized it almost immediately and was using it. After about 45 minutes, she like shook herself like she'd been somewhere really far away and turned around, again, all this is on film, and looked up at Jill and gave her a quick lick. Shook herself and got up and walked around. Explored the ear a little bit. Peed. Um, And then came back to Jill, lay down in front of Jill, and essentially was asking for more. Mm. Again, all on film. Um, And so Jill gave us some more. And then she left, and the next day, Apricot wasn't healed, but there was extra bounce in her step, as if she was definitely feeling more energetic, perhaps recognizing that there was a possibility of healing on some physiological level. So Jill, we asked Jill to come back because something was different, something was better. And Jean at that time had really bad knees, had a really hard time getting down, and it was necessary for him to be there as a um, comfort and orientation and safety factor. So Jill put up a massage table, and Jean picked Apricot up and laid her on the massage table as Jill was touching her. And it took about 15 seconds, she was a little uneasy, and she settled down on the massage table. And Jill put her hands on her and gave us some work. I'd, maybe it was about half hour that time. And then she was also showing John a little bit about how to do it. And then they finished and stood back. And Apricot just lay there and lay there and lay there as she was finishing whatever it was that she was doing energetically before she finally got up, woke up, got up, got off the massage table, shook herself, peed. <laughs> Um, The third time we brought her to the yurt, she pulled John over to the massage table and put her paws on it. It took a while. We had maybe another 10 sessions with Jill all in all. But in the end, she healed healed completely. Mm. She came back into full life. So much so that at 13 years old, we have a waterfall in the wildlife garden. Uh, uh, John built it with huge boulders, uh, maybe 15, 20 feet high. There wasn't water running in it at the time, but it goes into a pool. And he'd thrown a piece of meat to another wolf down below. She saw that, and she, 13 years old, she leapt from the top of that waterfall into the pool to get that piece of meat, came out, shook herself. I have pictures of that. I don't have video of it. Full vibrancy. There was a point when she was so close to death, 
we, she was out in the wildlife garden. Only I didn't, I wasn't thinking about her, and I'd gone in there, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this, like, patch of fur, and it looked dead. It looked like um, you'd see, a, a, you know, an animal fur. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly realized it was apricot, only there's so little life force coming from it, it felt like it was dead, only she wasn't. So she came back from that, and all of the inflammation, which is what we think is causing her symptoms or whatever it was, and lived a full life, she she made it to 14. Hmm. So that opened many thoughts to me about interspecies healing, about how the healing that we do between humans with energy work, healing touch, Reiki, all of that stuff, how it just goes across species. She recognized it, and she sucked that energy in. Mm-hmm. And it was more important to her to live than to have the fear. Mm. More important to live than to have the fear, uh, the fear of... She, she gathered together her courage to accept the healing I see. from another species, from a stranger. So there was a lot of risk on her part in trusting this process that there was something, something that Apricot had to do to take a leap of faith to allow for that connection. Yeah, and um, the immediate recognition that this was something that was going to help her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the courage to to risk it. Mm-hmm. When she was, um, I showed this tape out of, to a friend of mine who's a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, and he said he saw the tape of her eyes close up and the trance she was in, and he said, that's just how many of the Buddhists meditate. Their eyes are open, but you can see they're in a deep trance. It looks just like that. Mm. I thought that was an interesting observation. Right. And so does that, for the for you, does that point out, I mean, f- as I listen to the story, it, it brings up a lot of different ideas for me. One of them is, from that kind of an experience, does it suggest for you that, you know, our our healing processes are, are similar, that the same things we learn to access for ourselves are well, obviously in this instance uh were beneficial to apricot but uh the 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 healing engagement between between two beings um it sounds like from that that and other experiences that's a universal phenomenon that uh that healing can happen when there's that level of engagement through somebody who has uh who has the healing uh, if not power, they have a, they're a vessel to healing power. Mm. Um, but the, the, you know, again, it's just this notion that something like that should happen between a person and a wolf is not how we normally think or th- normally think of, of an opportunity or a possibility. It goes back to what we said in the first edition of this, um, this series, um, how connected we all are, mm-hmm. how similar we all are. Um, it can't work unless it's the same. Mm-hmm. 
it's another story of which there are many and where it's clear how it's the same process, the same healing qualities and the same healing process for the nervous system, be it human or wolf. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's something you. I believe there's something universal about it. And I could tell many different stories of many different animals. And there's the same fundamental process that's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about Jill um, and her... Her, was this the first time that she had done this work with a wolf or a, any other wild animal for that, for yeah. that matter? What was what was the experience like for her, or did it did she come away from it feeling like, well, this is this doesn't surprise me. This is exactly what happens. This is what I do. Or no, during the process, we were all into it. I was intensely filming. Jean was helping. She was doing it. But at one point, we just all looked at each other in amazement. Yeah. I guess the other thing I was going to say is over and over over again, it's like an opening of awareness, an opening with thunder and the fact of, of the telepathy that happened between him and the other wolves. Mm-hmm. And now this kind of opening. Um, wow. I mean, I just did it because I loved her. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want her to look like that and be like that. And med- Western medicine couldn't do anything. So I just said, why not? And then this happened, and we're all just blown away. And it's, as we tell more stories, it's just a continual opening, Mm -hmm. opening, opening of what's possible, what's out there. Mm -hmm. And it's just happening. Mm -hmm. None of it was planned. Yeah. And your story has all kinds of... uh implications for healing itself and you and i talked about this once before but the the uh there's a a greater um openness and encouragement in you you know you differentiated western and eastern medicine there's a an encouragement in medical schools now that students understand the power of the relationship that they develop with their patients which was not a, a hallmark of the development of western medicine as medicine itself was being developed um, and now they're returning to an understanding that without the trust and connection between doctor and patient it, there's a, a great barrier to healing mm. um, and it sounds like that that very phenomenon is perhaps not surprisingly uh, completely the same thing between between human and animal for, for veterinary medicine for example you know, veterinary medicine might look at that and and think, you know, connection between me, the vet, and you, the, the animal, is really not what's important here. What's important is you get the right inoculations, etc. But maybe there's something, well, I believe, and I know you believe, there's something to any, any uh, healing relationship having to be born out of a relationship that is healthy unto itself, that that embodies trust and um, and genuine positive regard and all those sorts of things. The um, the trust I would say developed very quickly through the quality of Jill's touch. The and it wasn't her touch so much as the quality of the energy flowing through her. 
um, what connection makes possible, and if you think of it literally, mm-hmm. um, it means energy can flow. If there's not a connection, there are walls and the energy doesn't flow. And so, yes, you can fix a broken leg, and yes, yes you can give an inoculation, but there's an extra element to the healing that's mm-hmm. missing. Um, is it critical for a broken leg? No, the leg will heal anyway. I suspect it'll heal faster if there's that other element, be it a human or a or wolf or a dog. Mm-hmm. It's, it's harnessing another healing power. And when you think about it, we have no idea how our body heals. Mm-hmm. I mean, we might know that red blood cells rush to an area or bring more oxygen, but how does that happen? Yeah, <laughs> We have no idea how we heal. We know what we can do to help fix things, help. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how. And this type of interaction speaks to that mysterious aspect that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it gives energy or impetus or support the interaction between two beings where one trusts another and one's trying to help the other. It gives support to whatever else it is, that larger mysterious thing that is both life and healing. It just supports it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when there's no physical things we can do in Western medicine. We just help the body heal itself through this other element. And many people know the quality of healing touch and what it means to be touched and that somehow you relax when you're touched. I mean, that little moment when she just gives us deep sigh mm-hmm. is so... Telling. Yeah. 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 So... Uh, you know, the one of the themes between our last session and this one is just, uh, which is one I know will will keep will be a reoccurring theme, is just that power of connection and what happens through connection, what happens through um, relationship that is born out of uh, some understanding, even if it happens like in this case rather instantaneously. There's some understanding that this. This relationship is uh, is one that that can be trusted and will somehow be nurturing. And I and each each individual in that whole interaction clearly must have clearly felt this as it was happening. And um, <clears throat> and it just it seems thematic of so much of your work that. Uh, that the magic happens when we're able to, in in whatever vehicle we have to do it, to open ourselves to connection, to relationship. In this case, the magic happened simply because I loved her. <laughs> and I wasn't going to let it happen. If there was anything I could do about it, I was going to try anything I could. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Um, and that's happened with other animals, too, as I've tried things that I had no idea if they would work or not. But... I couldn't leave them the way they were without trying. So there was that quality that started it. Mm -hmm. And I think love is a very powerful force. I mean, that sounds trite, but in this particular case, it's it's the original impetus Mm -hmm. to try and find a solution. It doesn't mean you always can, but that's the background of it. The, The thing that struck me most was how quickly she sensed it and how quickly she took it in and how deeply she took it in like she'd just been waiting almost for mm. for someone to tune in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true, but it was so quick. Mm. 
and she'd never had that experience before. Jill had never done it before. They'd never met before. It was just a... So we just looked at each other in amazement mm. as, she, as she sat, lay there, breathing and healing. As you were talking, I wondered uh, if this kind of thing um, doesn't happen all the time. Mm. Like, you know, could if somewhere, somewhere far away, might there be an injured or a, an animal with a neurological disorder who is receiving that kind of love and uh, desire on the part of a caregiver to, to promote healing. This kind of thing, you know, and it could be a wolf with another wolf or, mm. in other words, this, I guess if there is a question here, <laughs> as I'm thinking out loud, uh, might it be, you know, for you, for Jill, for Jean, does this, is there a sense that this is the sort of thing that happens all the time through the power of love and the power of this connection? Or is it, or is it uh, something that's uniquely human that what Jill could do is, was obviously unique to her gift, but uh, do you get the sense that this is the sort of thing that life does with life all the time? It's an interesting question. On some level, I would say yes. I don't think any of the experiences I've had are unique. It's just that they've been witnessed by human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When a mother of any species licks its young, you can see what's being transmitted. Mm-hmm. Aside from saliva on the <laughs> on the wounded spot, yeah. How unpoetic of you! <laughs> I never promised you a a poem garden. Thank you, Susan, for the conversation and for the story that reminds us of the beauty of life. Thank you, John, for making it possible. You're welcome. And. If you'd like more information, please go to earthfireinstitute.org. That's earthfireinstitute, one word, dot O-R-G.